1: Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor Podcast wherever you get
2: your podcast. Wanna learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallets, Smart Money Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome
4: to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Everyone's in the studio today. How's how's everyone doing? Oh,
5: not bad. It's a beautiful snowy day outside. Yeah, just nice. snowed out uh, out of nowhere. Gentle, soft flakes. It is a, a soft slush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, I don't like
4: the snow though. I, I'm a, I'm annoyed. But how do you feel? I you don't about have it? to shovel. I don't have to shovel. That's right. I like looking at it. I just don't like being in it. Okay. Yeah, Jeff, you shovel.
3: I do. I'm I'm all right. It's <laughs> my okay? first Noted recording of 2023. Jeff. <laughs> And I've been under the weather since we went on break, so... Yeah, if he he
5: sounds a little muffly, he's wearing a mask today, so that's why. But uh, we appreciate your uh, your caution. We appreciate your caution, Jeff.
4: But also,
3: I'm contractually obligated to be here.
4: And hopefully there's like a little crack in his (laughs) mask so that the smarts will come out, but just no virus or anything. Um, Matt, you shovel as well. How are you feeling today?
1: i am mm, good uh haven't had to shovel yet out in maryland it's been very nice it's actually 50 and raining so there's your weather update from the east coast
4: well uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed that in, you know enthralling conversation about shoveling <laughs> and snow that's what we bring to you uh we, we just started no
1: business like snow business
4: yeah there you go um it, we just had our 300th episode which was super fun so thank you once again to everyone who sent in questions Uh, It was just nice to hear from everyone and also to celebrate the fact that we got to 300. Um, So we couldn't have done it without you. Yeah. Um, And a lot of those uh, submissions were Patreon supporters. So thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You can join all of them at uh, www.patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. And speaking of patrons, we have two patrons here today that we're excited to introduce. Uh, Our first uh, guest is going to be hosting today's game. He's been on the show before. He has uh, uh, just endless Seinfeld knowledge um, of course, he's been on that episode, but he's been on other episodes as well. He's, he's a, always a welcomed guest. Uh, coming to us from Seattle, and Oakland 5 supporter on Patreon, Matt Coleman. How are you, Matt?
6: I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's early here this morning, but enjoying it. Um, and also no snow here. This is another place that shuts down with any inclement weather at all. So uh, enjoying it and excited to be here and uh, hopefully have some decent questions for you all today.
5: Yeah, welcome back. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself
6: yeah, uh, I live in Seattle. I'm uh, an attorney here and originally from the Midwest, moved out here during the pandemic and still kind of getting used to the Pacific Northwest. It's a little bit of a culture shock from being uh, used to being in the Midwest, but so far it's been an enjoyable experience. So Great.
4: Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming back to us. Uh, we know we're going to enjoy your questions and we're looking forward to playing the game, uh, but we need an extra competitor Uh, because Jeff is going to be scorekeeping today uh, as he's under the weather. So we need someone to partner with Matt. And uh, we have a very special guest coming to us from Beaverton, Oregon, a Rules Guy impersonator on Patreon. We are excited to welcome Craig Tietke. How are you doing, Craig?
7: Doing pretty well, guys. How are you guys doing this morning?
4: Doing wonderful. You're also on the West Coast. Uh, Got up early, and uh, you told us that you had uh, sort of an extra long day at the gym today. Is that right?
7: Yeah, today was leg day at the gym. And so my legs are... Just a little bit tired, so I'm glad I'm sitting down and enjoying the rest of my morning playing some awesome trivia.
4: And uh, I hope you're you're okay for this, but today's trivia episode, we all have to stand. It's required. That's what Matt put in his yeah. rider.
5: One of the answers requires squats, so... <laughs>
7: oh, I was about to say no squats, but so I guess yeah. we're just getting a zero on that one. Uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself, Craig. Um... I live over here in Beaverton, Oregon, as mentioned, and i um, been basically living in, o- in Oregon for the bulk of my life. I work overnights at an unnamed um, grocery store. They're not paying me to advertise them, so I'm not going to. And um, I just
1: – If they want to pay you to advertise, they can throw some of that our way too. Oh we will God. definitely <laughs> advertise the of them.
7: That mm-hmm. would be great. I will make sure and let my bosses know and see if they get in touch with you. <laughs> <laughs> But otherwise, I just spend a lot of my free time either playing video games or magic or just, you know, um, it, indulging as much trivia as I can.
4: Awesome. Uh, and speaking of patrons, we said thank you to all of our patrons. You're both patrons. We sent you a, a, an audio message. Is that right?
7: Absolutely. And it was an amazing audio message. I um, I didn't quite know what I wanted. And so I uh, picked a category for audio message for all of you. Um, uh, basically making it dealer's choice, that way everybody... Um, if somebody wasn't feeling up to answering the question like everybody had an opportunity and a prompt to do so and the audio recording i got back was just chef's kiss it was so perfect
5: yeah so if you guys are interested in receiving one yourself that is at what level
7: the
4: um,
5: rules guy that
4: is at the rules guy uh impersonator level yeah uh but yeah and we can uh, say whatever you want we'll sing a song we'll send say happy birthday we'll uh i don't know talk about Text uh, help.
1: Yeah, let's get weird. That's what we did yeah. most of the time. <laughs> exactly. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. Uh, but but uh, we we're need
5: rickety this. cricket from Sunny. Basically, we'll <laughs> do whatever you want for nickel. We're, that's why we're always on the corner
4: over here, and uh, we have our logo. And we're like, "Hey, what do you want? We'll give it to you." But um, but yeah, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, just just me. But um, we're excited for today's game, Matt. Uh, any preference on the rules?
6: Read. Uh, let's do Gilbert Godfrey.
4: All right. Let's hear the rules from Gilbert.
0: Triviality
2: Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round... Players' wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. I am the cream.
4: So, Craig, uh, you and Matt, our Triviality Matt, are going to be partnering today. Uh, what team name are you going to go with?
7: So we're going to go ahead and go with the team name that I usually go with whenever I the, uh, during the rare times that I go um, uh, pub triviaing, and we are going to be talk nerdy to me.
5: All right, and uh, me and Neil, we want to bring a strong, aggressive presence today, so we're going to be talk gritty to me. Talk gritty versus talk nerdy. That's it.
4: And, uh, Jeff, you're going to be keeping score, so let's uh, let's go for it, uh, Mr. Coleman.
6: All right. We'll start off round one, question one. The category is cheating scandals. Well, 2022 was the year of the cheating scandal in sports and games. Four years earlier, the number one rated player in this game Gier Helgelmo of Norway, was stripped of his titles and incurred a one-year suspension due to testing positive for synthetic testosterone, even though it was deemed not to be performance enhancing. What is this game whose origins date back to the 15th century and whose modern form is thought to draw its origins to British soldiers during the Crimean War?
5: So, uh, Neil, what are you thinking, like a board game? This is not like technically performance enhancing? I suppose uh, you're thinking it's or, a... Or we were talking about Tug of War earlier. Do you want to just say Tug of War? British. I'm thinking of something weird, like it's got to be something weird.
4: Yeah, something. I was thinking something really
5: strange. Yeah. Um, let's, let's say Tug of War. Okay. Maybe it's a squid game sort of situation. <laughs>
1: um, thinking about Tug of War, it's probably performance enhancers might actually help in that case. <laughs> That's what I would guess. Uh, Craig, what are you thinking on this one?
7: like, uh, based on a 15th century game and like more specifically on the British soldier's angle. Um, I don't know how steroids would mix into it, but for whatever reason, my brain totally went board games. and I was like Stratego, but I was like, mm. it, it didn't really like ring much of a bell. Cause, um, I'm just kind of like thinking like, why would steroids be involved and how would that disqualify him kind of thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something where they just have to take some kind of drug test. Um, Stratego is interesting because I don't know anything about it, um, and I also <laughs> don't have an answer to add to this. So uh, I think we can we can lock in with that game, Stratego,
6: and we once again said tug of war. All right. Unfortunately, uh, neither team will be receiving points this round. Uh, team uh, Talk Nerdy to me it was on the right track uh, in the board game. Angle Jeff, it sounded like you might have had an in on this. Did you have a thought about what this might be? No,
3: if it's board games, I think I'm out. I was going to guess dressage because I thought it was funny.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Also a good answer, uh, probably the key in this question would have been the one-year suspension. Uh, This is the card game Bridge. Mm. Oh,
3: like a suspension uh,
6: bridge. Got it. There you go. So that was the... Yes, it was a big scandal. He is known as the bad boy of Bridge. This is not the first time he's been suspended. Oh, and let me tell you,
1: calendars. I bet
6: the Wikipedia for Bridge cheating scandals is longer than one might imagine. So it's wow. a fun read.
3: The Dennis Rodman of Bridge. We're definitely talking nerdy over here. All right, <laughs> yeah, let's go to the next one.
6: All right. Question two is in the category of box office bombs. Two movies, widely regarded as among the least profitable of all time, with losses in the red reported between 150 and $200 million, were both released by Disney in consecutive years, in 2011 and 2012, and each shared what specific location as their setting. Uh, we're going to go ahead and lock in on this one.
1: Mm, you guys are familiar with with this answer uh craig do you know this one
7: i don't know it cold um i'm just trying to think of disney movies that came out in 2011 and 2012 and i'm um, coming up short. this is a
1: movie that you wouldn't think of as a disney i'm pretty sure that it's john carter of mars i think this is mars uh, i don't know if it's mars attacks my favorite martian various other mars movies i don't know what it is but i'm pretty sure that these are set on the red planet and we'll lock in with mars
3: that did say it was in the red
5: Yep, yeah, we also said Mars uh, with uh, John Carter, and we think uh, what was it the Mars second? needs moms? Yeah, maybe that one.
1: Yikes!
6: <laughs> Yikes, indeed. Uh, yes, Todd Gritty to me did identify both of the films, uh, Mars Needs Moms and John Carter. Both of those films set in on Mars. So congratulations, both teams receiving points on that question.
1: John Carter, not the mom they were looking for, apparently. <laughs>
6: not not the movie anyone was looking for unfortunately but question number three in the category of famous phrase origins what famous phrase originated from the amount of ammunition carried by world war ii fighter pilots and not from a bruce willis film
5: oh i think i got this one uh let's lock in
1: yeah what what would if Bruce Willis was an action figure and you squeezed him. What would his catchphrase be? I assume it's just "Yippee-ki-yay." But that, I don't know. Yeah, that's
4: what I would ah, assume
7: too. You don't want to
0: squeeze me there,
4: man. Don't squeeze
1: me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um thinking I can't even think of any other notable Bruce Willis like
7: The Sixth Sense. Um, yeah,
1: but he didn't say I see dead people. That was The Small Child. Do you just want to go with Yippee-Ki-Yay?
7: Yeah, we might as well. It's his most notable one. so.
1: Yeah, I don't know how it goes with amp- ammunition, but we are locking in with that.
5: So I believe the uh, ammunition in question would be probably on like a chain of uh, bullets. What would you call that?
3: A, a magazine ribbon. Yeah, like yeah. yeah.
5: So we believe that comes in nine yard uh, portions. So we said the whole oh, nine the whole yards. The whole nine yards.
6: And that is correct. Yes, they carried 27 feet of ammunition or nine yards worth. The phrase that we were looking for was the whole nine yards, the terrible 2000 Bruce Willis film. So, With a sequel. All right. Very formative for me as a child, though.
4: Oh, I'm sure it was formative. <laughs> uh, and I know why, I Can
6: Question number four in the category of Olympics. Three countries have won the men's Olympic gold medals in both men's basketball and soccer. Two of those countries no longer exist. Name the only still existing country to accomplish this feat for ten points, and five bonus points if you can name both of the other two non-existing countries.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure that the um, the. So I just watched the Redeem Team doc on Netflix, and it was about how the U.S. team got bad at basketball briefly (laughs) in the mid two thousands. It was such a disgrace. Um, they yes they finished with the bronze. It was a disgrace to our country. Um, in two thousand and four, um, I believe Argentina beat Spain in the gold medal game, and Argentina would be a strong contender to win gold in soccer. Um, so I think I think Argentina would be our main answer. Um, for the bonuses, uh, the Soviet Union won a ton of gold in the 70s with their giant uh not performance enhanced (laughs) basketball players um so i think that would be one of them (laughs) and then for the other one i also know that i'm that yugoslavia has won a gold medal and they no longer exist so what about the soviet union and yugoslavia
7: yeah, I had um, written down USSR because uh, it just it just seemed like a big powerhouse for as long as it was. And so I would assume that they had won gold medals in a lot of things. So I like that a lot.
5: All right. For our main answer, we said Spain. Uh, we said USSR um, for a bonus. And whenever I think of countries that don't exist, the first one that just comes to mind is Yugoslavia. So we said that as well, based on no knowledge whatsoever.
6: All right, that'll be full points to Team Talk Nerdy to me. The main answer was Argentina. And the two bonus answers are the Soviet Union and Yugoslavia. So Team Talk Gritty to me will receive the bonus points. So five points to them and full 15 points for Talk Nerdy to me. All right. Good job, guys. So
1: we'll take that very for sure. well.
6: All right. Question number five is in the category of uh, media coincidences A nightmare on Elm Street debuted on the weekend of November 11th, 1984. What aptly named song reached number one on the billboard hot 100 that same week, the first of three number one songs for the group who recorded it.
5: All right. I think we're onto something. So we are locked in.
1: Okay. Locked in big Friday, the 13th fan, Craig.
7: (laughs) I unfortunately am not. Um, Mm. I do enjoy me some scary movies every once in a while, but I typically shy away from it.
1: So. Okay. Well, this is a movie about a man who haunts you in his dream. So I'm guessing we're looking at some sort of sleeping or dream type song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so I'm thinking songs like that. So Dream On by Aerosmith, but they had multiple hits before them. Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics, but I don't know what other number one hits they had so for me, I'm thinking this is potentially Enter Sandman by Metallica.
7: Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Let's go with
1: that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. Good thinking, uh, Team Nerdy.
7: Uh,
5: we were on the same wavelength. We thought it might be right, said Fred, but we <laughs> instead went with Sweet Dreams.
6: All right. Unfortunately, no points on this one, Craig. You should have spent a little bit more time on Wikipedia. The correct answer was
3: no, wake, me wake, wake
6: me up. Wake me up oh. before you go-go.
3: So after five questions, uh, scores are tied, 25 points apiece. So.
6: All right. Uh, question number six in the category of famous wingmen. During his career, John Glenn doubled as both an astronaut and a U.S. senator, and few people were more famous than he was during his lifetime. One person who may have been, however, served alongside Glenn during the Korean War— while taking a break in his own hall of fame career named the splendid wingman who flew more than a dozen combat missions alongside
7: glenn during the korean war
1: i i do know this one if you
7: okay can i, I could definitely stop thinking about it But like all right hold on who Let do me.
5: i know yeah all right so they're in um what sport are we
1: thinking
4: I'm assuming it's ba- usually it was baseball players. Oh, I
1: locked in, so it's a sports guy. Is that what you're saying? No, he said <laughs> Hall of Fame. He said Hall oh, of Fame. Okay. Um,
4: so well, this is the Rock
5: and Roll Hall of Fame, the
4: Toy Hall of Fame. <laughs> when I think it's of mean, um, uh, athletes who were in the military, I mean you got Ted Williams. Um, uh, I don't think Mickey Mantle was. Lou Lou Gehrig, Splendid Ted, or what's his name? Um, Joe DiMaggio. I think was that his name wasn't Splendid though.
5: His nickname. I don't know. Just uh, let's just pick one
4: um for I think Ted Williams was too early but let's just say
6: Ted Williams
1: (laughs) it's not splendid Ted but it is the splendid splinter Ted Williams
6: Matt is correct that is uh Ted Williams he did fly alongside John Glenn in the Korean War he also flew in World War II as well so good good luck Neil
4: I just happened to see Ted Williams on David Letterman, uh, talking about that, like an old interview. Cause I was looking up Ted Williams interviews the other day.
5: Right. Why, why was I left <laughs> off do. of this email chain? <laughs>
6: <laughs> All right. Question number seven is in the category of literary movies. This best-selling author shifted careers when he was hired to adapt his novels into screenplays. The first two of which netted him Oscar wins for best adapted screenplay. After the second win, he decided to purchase a book on screenwriting, since he had never been trained on how to do so, only to discover that the first chapter of the book instructed the reader to read the screenplay for his first film as it was, quote, the model for a screenplay. Who is this author?
5: And I just read this on the internet, so take that, y'all. So reluctant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
7: I heard this before. On a, oh, yeah. I'm trying to pull it. Oh. Do you happen to know? An
1: author. Uh, an author who became a screenwriter. Yeah, is this um, this isn't like a Tom Clancy or uh. A...
7: I think it was earlier than that. Like it almost like it like it pulled me like either in like a like a Spielberg direction or maybe even like
1: because
7: mm-hmm. but I don't know if he was an author first.
1: Yeah, um, I have no idea. Uh, not like a Coppola or, um. He write books. Did he be an author? Gosh,
7: um, like, I could probably sit here all day and attempt to pull it, but not really get close. So I, I'd, I'd say if you're cool with it, we'll just lock in with Spielberg and pray.
1: You got it. Spielberg and a prayer. All
5: right. You guys
7: did mention uh, Coppola.
5: Um, this is the person who I believe co-wrote it with him, or wrote the original screenplay. It was uh, Puzo who wrote The Godfather,
6: and that's. That is correct, yes. Mario Puzo is the correct answer. Wrote The Godfather, didn't know how to write screenplays, but was apparently pretty good at it as he won two Oscars for his first two attempts. So uh, not too bad.
4: It's a great story. I've never heard that before. That they told him uh, the book said read Godfather 1. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> All
6: right. Uh, question number eight is in the category of highs and lows. In 1984, Catherine Sullivan became the first American woman to conduct a spacewalk. In 2020, she made history again be, by becoming the first woman to go to what specific location, about as far away from the first achievement as she could have gone without leaving the planet.
1: Oh, you're locked in. Um, so, you know, the spacewalk very high up. Uh, I'm guessing this is someplace very low. Um, is, is the Marianas Trench, is that too low? Is, has have people yeah. been there?
7: That's what I was debating on, too, because that's where my mind went when it came to, like, you know, the opposite of the high place would be the low place. Um, mm-hmm. I just, like, I know they, like, sent unmanned subs down there, but I don't know if anybody's actually traveled down there personally.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't want to send an old lady if she was the first one. You'd That seems dangerous. Maybe but just a little bit. Yeah. So. What a delightful I, I, I,
5: array of algae. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she's British too. What was that?
5: Um, no, she's just so old that she still has that like British
1: inflection. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> she was looking for the the tea at the bottom of the harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We can lock in with, I guess, Mariana's Trench.
7: Yeah, I mean that's as good a guess as any. We had okay. the same uh,
5: sort of notion. We went with that Challenger Deep though. I hope I hope we're
6: right because we thought of Mariana's Trench too. Uh, one team is receiving points on this question. The answer is Challenger Deep. Yeah. So.
3: Challenger Deep being the deepest point in the Mariana's Trench. Oh. So. Oh. Yeah. so, favorite locality. Hey, yeah, Low- right. I feel like uh, James Jimmy Cameron's been down there now. Um, I'm sure he has. More people have been on the moon than down there. So, Tells you how do you think after the
5: success of
6: Avatar One, he was like?
5: Damn it! I should have made it in the water.
6: (laughs) All right. Question number nine is in the category of science. Frenetic, random activity periods is the scientific term, better known colloquially as what?
5: All right. Uh, We have a rather simple answer to this challenging question. We'll see what happens.
1: Hmm. Well, science definitely not my thing, so I'm hoping that it is your thing, Craig.
7: My mind maybe travels small to like like cellular movements or even like like something along those lines of how they like map how certain things tra- mm-hmm. travel, but like I I I like the it's definitely some sort of like travel, whether or not it's big or small is the question. Um Yeah. Um Oh my gosh. Uh like if if um if I had to take a swing at it I would definitely lean more towards the cellular side of things to be like just like track how cells move or like more specific or if we, if we wanted to be more specific like how like bacteria or viruses like move or like spread through a body or something like that,
1: okay, so you wanna say like a virus
7: or, or like um a rate of infection
1: rate of infection- v- sp- a virus spreading, I don't know.
5: Okay, I was initially thinking like quantum physics but uh, Neil was thinking maybe it's to do with brain activity so we said dreams when you're sleeping
3: it kind of does have to do with brain activity Um, it happens to my puppy a lot
6: yes Jeff is on the right track here this question was inspired I just got a new cat a couple of months ago Uh, these are the scientific term for the zoomies oh Uh, because apparently there's a scientific term for everything that happens. So,
5: Zoomies is a lot cuter than frap.
3: My dog likes to frap outside. He fraps inside. Yeah. I hope he
5: doesn't frap on the bed.
3: <laughs> it's not good for any of us when he does that.
5: Mm-hmm. Hopefully no foam.
6: Uh, next question. All right. Last question of the first round. Question number 10 is in inventors and inventions. William Mitchell was a food scientist who helped develop, among other things, Cool Whip, Tang. And in 1956, while attempting to create a self-carbonating soda, he invented and later patented what candy that would go into production in the Mm mid-1970s.
1: All right, we're locked in. Um, A candy. Interesting. And he was making, he was attempting to make a soda at the time or something fizzy would this be maybe uh like pop rocks
7: yeah i mean that's uh, i was thinking along starting to think along those lines i was like all right so what's something that like pops in your mouth i'm like oh pop rocks
1: yeah like he was attempting to add it to create the carbonation and he decided they were tasty don't drink it Um, with or don't eat it with soda because you'll your body will explode you will explode. Yeah, that's what happened to Mikey from the cereal box, from what I remember. Um, so. I'm just going to burp a lot. You're not going to explode. Rip, rip Mikey. Um, yeah, I'm good. We can lock in with Pop Rocks Enough with your fake news, no, Jeff. I agree.
4: <laughs> There's always kids on the playground that were like, let's go find a bird and get <laughs> Pop Rocks and soda. you think they soda. would sell
5: something that would kill you if you drink it with soda? <laughs> I mean, they sell uh, a
4: lot of things that kill us over a very
5: long period of yeah, time. But, but not nothing right that would just like, yeah. Um, all right, Uh Yeah, we said uh, Pop Rocks.
6: Yes, uh, that is correct. Uh, both teams are correct. The answer is Pop Rocks. Uh, fun fact, his daughter was also a, a food scientist, which was a field that I didn't really ever think existed until this uh, category. Uh, and she helped develop uh, almond and rice milk. So oh, successful family all around. was killed by Pop Rocks.
3: <laughs> a tragic case of Pop Rocks and soda. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Food science is amazing. Not I'm, yet, at least. I'm
3: constantly interested in the like how they create flavor profiles that like mimic other things. It's it's crazy. I'll
4: give you a flavor profile. How we give us the scores?
3: All right. <laughs> well, giving you a little flavor of what's going on in this game. Uh, talk nerdy to me is in second place with 45 points, but uh, with a 20 point lead, talk gritty to me at 65. Delicious. So.
1: Second place. All right. All right. Yeah, that's
3: right. You get Take everyone that, the gets teams. the silver medal here.
6: At least. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so what's going on in the swing round today? Well, aptly, the title of this swing round is Sometimes Second Place is Best. Uh, For this round, most good trivia players are good at memorizing the number one thing on a list of particular facts. For this list, though, I want to test your ability to know what comes second on those lists of common trivia facts. So I'll give you two points if you can name what's number one on the list, uh, but five points for each one if you can name what comes second. So, for example, if I said most populous country, China would be number one. It would be worth two points. India's number two and be worth five points as a note. None of these are trick questions where the same person or thing could both be first and second. Okay. Uh, if that were the case, I'd be looking for the, the next distinct thing on the list. Okay. Right. So there'll be 10 of those possible up to 50, uh, 50 points total. All right. Uh, number one is, uh, the first people to circumnavigate the globe. Number two, the, Sign the Declaration of Independence. Number three, uh, distinct players to hit 50 home runs in a single season. Number four, gymnasts to receive a perfect 10 in the Olympic Games. Number five, top grossing best picture winners, not adjusted for inflation, either domestic or worldwide. The answer is the same either way. Number six, largest animal on earth. Number seven, Fastest Land Animal by Top Speed. Number eight is Tallest Mountains in North America. Number nine, Most Populous Cities in Alaska. And number 10, Longest Shakespeare Plays by Number of Words.
5: All right. Well, we have our work cut out for us in the swing round. We will consider these and we'll be back
2: So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
5: We are back with our answers. Um, how do you think we did, Neil? Uh, I'd say so-so. I think we're taking some, some lesser points.
4: Yeah, but I think we're, we're taking the guaranteed points, hopefully.
5: Okay. And uh, let's uh, go ahead and get the questions one more time. We'll see how we did.
6: All right. Number one is people to circumnavigate the globe.
5: Uh, we took the safe bet on this one, said Magellan.
1: Yeah, we we tossed around Sir Francis Drake as the second one, but we ended up locking in with Magellan.
6: And Magellan is correct for two points. And Matt, you should have gone with it. Sir Francis Drake would have been the five-point answer.
1: Wow, man.
6: That would a uh, good poll, too.
4: Circumvented the <laughs> 606, Matt. Come on. Yeah,
1: I know.
6: Number two is... People that signed the Declaration of Independence.
5: We just went with uh, TJ on this one.
6: Uh,
7: we decided. To, oh, sorry. Uh, we decided to go it a little bit braver this time. We were thinking second president, second signer. So we locked in with John Adams.
6: Unfortunately, no points on this wow. one. The first person to sign the Declaration of Independence was John Hancock. Uh, And the second person, uh, if you're a West Wing fan, the namesake of the president there, the person was Josiah Bartlett.
1: Wow. uh, uh, No idea there.
6: (laughs) Yeah, that one was tough. All right. uh, Number three was the first distinct player to hit 50 home runs in a single season. We just uh, went with Babe Ruth.
1: I was pretty sure Babe Ruth was number one, uh, but we locked in with hopefully number two. We said Mickey Mantle.
6: And Babe Ruth was the first person to do it for two points. He um, was also the second, third, and I think fourth person to do it. Uh, but the next distinct person to do it was unfortunately not Mickey Mantle. It what was Ch- Chicago Cubs legend, actually, Heck Wilson oh, was the yeah. next person to do it uh, in the early 1930s. So two points I've there. never heard of that name before.
1: Oh, he has the record for RBIs in the season.
6: That is correct. All right. Uh, number four was gymnast to receive a perfect 10 in the Olympics. Uh,
5: I think we did the safe bet on this one said Komenichi.
1: Um, we had no idea. And we just said an older gymnast and said Mary Lou Retton. Uh,
6: Mary Lou Retton did, was famously did receive a perfect 10 in the 1984 Olympics. Unfortunately, it was not the first or second person to do it. The first was Nadia Cominici. Uh, so two points there. The second person actually did it in the same Olympics, uh, Like the next event, it had never been done, and then it was done twice in consecutive events. And that was Nelly Kim, which is a a tough name, but one that's good to know. So, Uh, Number five was Top Grossing Best Picture Winners.
4: Yeah, this one, uh, we thought if it was adjusted for inflation, it'd be Gone with the Wind and Sound of Music. But uh, Matt said not adjusted, so we figured it had to be something modern. So instead of going with Titanic, which we thought was number one, we said Return of the King, Lord of the Rings for number two
7: and for this one as well we were tossing around a bunch of movies trying to think of which one won best picture and which one would have brought in a lot of money and we also went with lord of the rings return of the king
6: and five points to both teams on this one and neil was correct titanic was the number one answer um but yes return of the king is number two on both uh number six is the largest animal on earth we went with the sperm whale
1: yeah, we were pretty sure the blue whale is the biggest, and we're hoping that the sperm whale is number two.
6: Both teams went for it on this one. Unfortunately, both teams were incorrect. The blue whale is the largest animal, uh, and the second one is another type of whale, but it's the fin whale. It's mm. the second largest animal, so no points on that one. Number seven is the fastest land animal.
5: Uh, we were tossing around some options for number two, like ostrich, but we weren't confident enough, so we just stuck with cheetah.
7: And we decided to go for the gold and did lock in with ostrich as thinking that it was the second fastest land animal.
6: And cheetah is the fastest land animal, so that's correct for two points. Unfortunately, ostrich, while very quick, is not the fat, the second fastest. That would be the pronghorn antelope, which is actually the fastest animal over long distance. It's almost as fast as a cheetah and it can do it for much longer speeds. So they're pretty terrifying uh, when you see them run.
4: So it's the uh the sting of land
5: animals. (laughs) They keep it up for a long, long time.
3: Actually, you know the Mm. best distance runners are humans. Mm,
5: Oh. Not me.
3: No, but not when some of us, not us. Not when a cheetah is running next to it,
4: I'm assuming though,
6: probably. No. And especially not after leg day. So um Uh, Number eight is the tallest mountain in North America.
5: We did the safe play and said Denali.
1: Uh, We went with Mount Shasta in California.
6: The tallest mountain in North America is Mount Denali. Uh, Unfortunately, the second tallest mountain in North America uh, is Canadian, and it's the most Canadian name you can think of, and that's Mount Logan. Mm. Um, Always remember that Wolverine is Canadian. Oh, good way to remember that, yeah.
1: Is it a good way to remember that? I'll
6: remember Mount Neil? Logan.
1: <laughs> okay.
6: Bub. It's the way that I knew Neil would remember it. So, <laughs> <laughs> number nine are the most populous cities in Alaska.
5: Yeah, we had trouble with this one. We just uh, said Juneau, even though I think the population's pretty low.
7: And, and uh, for this one, we just were kind of the spitting around ideas of Alaskan cities, the ones that we thought had big populations. And we eventually settled on Fairbanks.
6: All right. The most populous city in Alaska is Anchorage. And the second largest city in Alaska by population is Fairbanks. So five points there. Good
1: poll. I knew it was a real city. Well, actually, I wasn't sure, but (laughs) glad we locked in.
6: And number 10, longest Shakespeare plays by number of words
4: yeah this one uh my favorite i know with a bullet is number one hamlet uh, i know that one's the longest and then i was between henry the fifth and richard the third for the second longest i know richard the third is really long and i refuse to read it it sounds boring to me so we locked in with richard the third
1: wow we also locked in with richard the third
6: and neil was correct on both points hamlet is number one with the bullet and the second longest is richard the third so five points to both teams
3: All right, and after that swing round, no lead changes, but uh, both teams getting some points. Uh, 17 to Talk Nerdy to Me, bringing their score up to 62 points. And with the lead still with 85, you've got Talk Gritty. All right, Uh, we'll start
6: off round two. Question one, in fictional businesses, Melville's Fine Seafood is a fictional restaurant located above which more well-known titular fictional establishment?
2: We
4: can lock in.
1: Oh boy. So it's a titular establishment. So my first thought is cheers. Can you think of anything else that it could be?
7: Not nothing is coming to mind. Cheers is probably the best bet right there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't really, I don't remember too much about Melville's, but uh, maybe they called down for some lobster from time to time and it's on the East coast. So that would make sense. Um, So we can lock in with Cheers.
4: We agree. Uh, Melville's is above Cheers.
6: And it is. That's points to everybody. So good job on that one. It is the location above Cheers. It's not featured often, but occasionally they will reference the restaurant above, and there's a sign in the background for it. So all right. Question number two, the category is presidential math. In addition to being a lawyer and former general, this President was an adept mathematician who had a notable proof on the Pythagorean Theorem published four years before he became to date the only sitting member of the House of Representatives elected president. Who is he?
7: All right, so how's your presidents
1: um i don't I don 't know too much about presidents uh, and I don't know anything about presidents who are good at math um, I'm guessing if they had a proof of the pathetic, it's probably an older president, right? I would guess.
7: I would think so. Yes. I'm, um, I'm just trying to think of any sort of like older president that would have also been like a general as well mm-hmm. as like other things.
1: Um, Jackson, but I don't know if he was doing a lot of math. Uh, Doesn't seem like a math kind
5: of guy.
7: Um, because um, unfortunately the only name that came to mind was a more like, not as old as that was like Eisenhower, but like, I don't know if he had like done math related things or even been in the house of reps beforehand, but like,
1: all right. So it seems like we don't know anything yeah. <laughs> related to this question. Uh, you said Eisenhower. Yeah. Um, that seems good enough for me because okay. I don't think we're going to get it and we need to make a guess. So
7: that is true. Let's just go and lock in with Eisenhower then.
1: We like Ike.
7: Yeah, uh, Eisenhower
5: does strike me as an academic slash general. I wasn't sure about the House of Reps thing, but uh, we said Eisenhower.
6: Eisenhower is a very good guess. Unfortunately, uh, this one was a little bit older. I hope the general maybe would lead you to at least around one of the major wars. This one would have been uh, during the American Civil War. This was right after that. This was James Garfield, actually.
5: No, I didn't know he was a uh, general.
6: All right. Uh, question number three is in the category of banned origins. The Eagles formed in 1971 as a backing band for which 11 time Grammy Award winning artist who hit number one on the Billboard chart with her version of the song You're Not So Good.
4: All right, uh, we discussed a, a couple different genres of artists and we were leaning a certain way, so we're going to lock in.
1: Well, 70s pop and rock music is not my forte at all uh more more of jeff's forte yeah, and he's like, not playing today
7: yeah um agreed and same and i mm-hmm. like i was just kind of like dueling down some names of like potentials but i don't know exactly who's saying the song you're not so good which
1: it yeah. sounds like, a, um, like a, a sassy country tune
7: yeah like i, I wrote down patsy klein um
1: patsy klein's a good guess Uh, I was thinking potentially Dolly Parton. Ooh, that's Uh, another
7: really good guess.
1: um, Which one do you want to go with?
7: I like Dolly. Let's go with Dolly Parton.
1: Okay. Can't go wrong with Dolly. We're locking it in.
4: We had a similar conversation. Um, Initially, Ken said Aretha Franklin, which I thought was a great guess. I just didn't... I couldn't see the Eagles possibly being her backing band that much. I was leaning towards country. So we wrote down uh, Tammy Wynette, Loretta Lynn, but... Matt didn't say that the Grammys all came before they were the Eagles. So over an extended period of time, I feel like Dolly Parton has won just a ton. So we locked in with Dolly Parton.
6: And I wish the answer was Dolly Parton, because the answer should always be Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, no points on this one. Uh, The correct answer is actually Linda Ronstadt. Deep cut, but yeah, 11-time Grammy winner, but yeah read about their founding. There's also a pretty interesting documentary. We talked about the redeemed team earlier. There's a pretty interesting one about the formation of the Eagles that goes into that as well. That's on Netflix. can't remember the name of it, but also worth checking out. All right. Uh, question number four is in literature. Paul Clifford is an otherwise unremarkable British novel published in 1830. However, it also inspired a literary trope with what seven word opening line I mean, it's seven words.
5: Yeah, we, we can't get better than that. No. All right, we're locked in.
1: So, thinking of opening line tropes, something like, you might be wondering how I got here, or <laughs> to, <That's>... to begin, <laughs> we start at the ending. Or,
7: yeah, it's, uh, um, it's like, unfor- like the one that came to mind is one that I know wasn't penned in this book. Like, it was a dark and stormy night. That was uh, Mary Shelley.
1: Um, but I, I, like, it was a dark and stormy night. I think that that is potentially correct. So.
7: Okay. Let's lock that in then. That,
5: mm-hmm. That's a great answer. We're going with a different seven word combination. We said there once was a man from Nantucket. I take it by your laughter. Uh, it's not correct. Uh,
6: again, I, I wish it was, uh, But no, congratulations, Craig. Uh, You stumbled onto it. It was a dark and stormy night. And that's where that phrase comes from. Uh, A novel nobody's ever heard of, but inspired a lot of other uh, works that followed it. So good job job on that one. (laughs) All right. uh, Question number five is in the category of obligatory pro wrestling question. Uh, Starcade served as the NWA, later WCW's, premier annual event their equivalent of WrestleMania beginning in 1983. Ric Flair was in the main event of every single one of the first eight Stargate events for five points each name. Any of any of the two, any two of the wrestlers who squared off against Flair in any of those main events.
5: All right. We're locked in with some uh, guesses and a lot of face paint.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's the face paint. I think that's later. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, Craig, how, entrenched are you in wcw and nwa folklore
7: um not as entrenched as i should be i recently had like embarked on a project for myself to start watching all the wrestlemanias and all the royal rumbles but Mm -hmm. unfortunately that is not wcw so right uh, like the best i'm doing is like pulling names out of a hat
1: okay do you have any that you're leaning towards
7: um like vader is always a big one i don't know if he actually wrestled for wcw because i know he was wwf Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, pre like stone cold, like stunning Steve Austin. I remember like did like a couple King of the ring, things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, um I'm pretty sure that, uh, Neil's favorite wrestler, a man named sting is one of them. I'm pretty sure that sting is on there. And I then that. I also think that he wrestled Lex Luger a ton in the eighties. Um, so, I think that if you're cool, we can lock in with Sting and Lex Luger. Absolutely.
5: Okay. Well, we picked the man with the most staying power, and uh, that is Oops. Sting. And uh, also Ultimate Warrior, just as a guess.
6: All right. So that would be full points to Team Talk Nerdy to me. Um, both Lex Luger and Sting were correct answers. Uh, you also could have said uh, Rugged Ronnie Garvin, Dusty Rhodes, or Harley Race were all acceptable answers. Uh, And I also probably would have taken Craig's answer of Vader as a potential answer uh, because he was also in one of the main events uh, later on. Um, So uh, that's full points for Talk Nerdy to me and five points for Talk Gritty to me. All
3: right. So after the first five questions in round two, Talk Nerdy to me made up quite a bit of ground uh, with double the points of their competitor. They added 30 to their score, going to 92. And you guys over at Talk Gritty added 15, going to an even 100. So pulling much closer to being anyone's game.
6: All right, that brings us to question number six. The category is poker. Uh, Texas Hold'em has become the most popular poker game in pop culture thanks to its depictions in movies like Rounders and countless hours on late-night ESPN. What less popular Hold'em variant, named for a Midwest city, sees each player receive four whole cards rather
7: than the two in Texas Hold'em?
1: I... (laughs) Yeah, nothing there, Craig. I
7: don't know if that sums it up pretty well, but like, um,
1: yeah, you're I, folding I, your cards here.
7: I knew Texas Hold'em, like, the, yeah. the, the turn on the question hit, and I'm just like, I'm out.
1: Yeah, if the if the answer wasn't turn, river, etc. Um, I've watched a ton of World Series of poker, uh, in the um, late 90s, early 2000s when it was all over ESPN. Uh, you know, you got your five card stud and some of the other variations that they have. And I think that this one is called Omaha, um, which would be a Midwest city um, and Peyton Manning's favorite brand of steak. So we are good with locking in with Omaha. I had a feeling Matt might connect all that.
5: Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're right. Uh couldn't, couldn't pull that in the moment. We just said Kansas city.
6: Uh Matt is correct. Uh, The city I was looking for there is Omaha. And I did have a Peyton Manning reference in this originally and then decided to take it out because I thought it might be too easy. But yes, the (laughs) correct answer is Omaha.
1: That would have made it much easier. Yes.
3: (laughs) With that, you guys take the lead not to put the pressure on. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. All
6: right. uh, Question number seven is in the category of the Supreme Court. Uh, The 1989 Supreme Court case of Texas versus Johnson held that what hot button and controversial action was protected speech under the First Amendment.
7: I'm like the thing that popped to mind was like, was this the time that the Supreme Court ruled that freedom of expression was also freedom of speech, of speech, and people were allowed to wear what they wanted to wear?
1: You think it could be about fashion?
7: yeah potentially like or, or like somebody like essentially not wearing like dress code either to school or to work or something like that and got mm-hmm. dinged and then so they sued back being like i'm allowed to wear what i want kind of thing
1: i was originally thinking because this is when talk shows were becoming uh popular but i don't know what that would be or maybe it's like, the um like satire Larry king yeah. oh satire
7: like if satire was like, like ruled as like freedom of speech kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I like that. Let's, let's go with that. Satire's okay. freedom of speech. Yeah. Let's do that.
7: Okay. We thought
5: this wasn't technically speech, but, uh, again, an action and we said flag
6: burning. Yes. And team talk to me did pick up on what a hot button issue that could be it would also be politically controversial in Texas. Um, it is flag burning. Um, Craig, I think the case that you were thinking of where students could wear whatever they want, that's Tinker versus Des Moines. And the satire case would have been about Larry Flynn versus Hustler magazine, yes. which may be the only things I actually remember from law school. So <laughs> putting that to good use here. There you go. But yes, 10 points to Team Talk Gritty to me. All right. <clears throat> question number eight will be uh, before and after. It's a before and after style question. You'll just combine the two into one answer. So I'm looking for the musical artist who has the best selling album of the 21st century combined with a CBS procedural starring Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu. Oh
7: my, I don't know if my pain face has been coming through, but like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it, 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 I um, don't watch much TV. Oh, <laughs>
1: That's well, the show about. is one of 700 Sherlock Holmes TV shows that came out at the time and it's elementary. elementary. Um, the artist,
7: like Pharrell. it's not
1: Elementor Rihanna. It's not Elementor Reba McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs>
7: well, is it the show first or is
3: it the artist first?
1: I think I think the artist is first. Elementary and...
3: BTS. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, it's for elementary Draco elementary. No, I think. Um, oh, is it? Is it a del a a
7: I mean, that would make sense. Never. Like it flows.
1: Did it del is that many? Out? I guess I don't know. It's the only thing that works. So yeah, we're gonna lock in with a delamentery. Let's do How it. We y'all
3: see. forgetting about twenty one up in here. We, th- we thought we were rolling in the deep. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, thankfully, Ken asked for
4: a repeat because I remember Adele beat and uh, Sync's No Strings Attached, and I just remembered that. And so that, that helped. So we said Adelimentary as well. Yes,
6: yeah, so after a little bit of struggle, both teams did get to the correct answer. It, it is Adelimentary. So, yeah, 21 sold over like team.
3: 30 million copies. Okay.
6: Yes, it sold th- 31 million copies, best selling album of the 21st century. So
5: maybe I should listen to it.
6: <laughs> What's <the next> question? <laughs> <laughs> all right question number nine is in the category of presidential succession joe biden is the current president of the united states and kamala harris is the vice president for five points each name the two individuals who are next in line in the order of presidential succession and again i want their names not the, the titles that they hold
3: this is as of uh Mid January 2023. So just to timestamp this.
1: Now, I believe they just finally, officially, possibly made this person the third in line after about 6,000 votes. Oh, oh my so gosh. This is McCarthy.
7: McCarthy, yeah, that is absolutely right. Yeah, because he's speaker now. A little spooky.
1: A, a little spooky to think about. And- now, fourth in line, I believe, is the president pro temp. Of the house,
7: it's you've got a little more, you've got a little more insight than I do because I thought it was Secretary of State next in line. I'm like, oh, that's not right.
5: Uh. After five, it just goes straight to Kiefer Sutherland, like the (laughs) Kiefer Sutherland.
1: Yeah, you couldn't, well, you could do worse and have. Um, okay, so we're good, we're good on number three, McCarthy, right? We're good there, and we have no idea who the fourth person is. Um, so let's go with his dog major. Done.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We said, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker of the house. And then, uh, we went with the, uh, Senate majority leader, Chuck Schumer, assuming he's also the president pro tempore of the
3: Senate.
6: All right. Uh, well, both teams were correct. The Mr. O for 15, Kevin McCarthy, uh, is the speaker of the house and third in line for the president somehow. Uh, neither team was correct though. On the second half, Matt, you were right. It is the president pro tem of the Senate. Uh, and this person, I even voted for them this year and didn't know they were fourth in line for the presidency. And that is Washington Senator Patty Murphy.
3: Oh, so mayor Pete's like, he's in the teens, probably your twenties. Oh, good for him. Make yeah. Him right. Below,
6: yeah. Right below key for Sutherland where he <laughs> should be. <so. laughs> All right. Uh, last question of the second round is in the category of animated characters. The, the 1940 Disney movie "Fantasia" was created to boost the popularity of the then little-known Mickey Mouse. One of its most iconic scenes involves Mickey as the sorcerer's apprentice. What anodrome is the name of the sorcerer in the film?:
1: It's some kind of palindrome-ish type thing, right? So I
7: believe so. Oh, like w- wouldn't it be like would it be like Disney backwards? What would that be? YenSID?
1: Yensid. That seems like a name.
7: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> it's not not a name. I mean,
7: <laughs> it's like it's the best thing I'm kind of coming up with um, off the fly because uh, I just don't know this one cold.
1: Okay. We're going to lock in with Yensid.
7: Yep, it's Yensid.
6: Craig stumbled onto what an anodrome is. It is a word that's spelled backwards to make another word. This is Disney spelled backwards. It's Yensid. Also a popular character in the uh, Kingdom Hearts games recently. So,
3: You guys are like sorcerers over there pulling these answers out of your ass, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so that'll end the second round. Um, for a moment, a brief moment, one question of glory. Talk nerdy to me. Had the lead, uh, but they have since relinquished it. Uh, the scores are still very close. Uh, team Gritty in the lead with 135 to 127. So only a eight-point separation. All right,
6: Uh, the categories for the final round are uh, The Day the Music Died, Video Game First, Old Blue Eyes, Old Timey Baseball, and Current Events.
5: All the wagers are locked in. We are going 30s all the way down, except for the baseball question, because screw that, and you guys are all over the map, so you'll just say your wagers as we go. Um, Let's get the questions.
6: All right. Question number one in the category of Day the Music Died. What artist, the bass player for Buddy Holly, avoided being part of the Day the Music Died by giving up his seat on the plane to the Big Bopper, opting to take the bus, to which Holly reportedly told him he hoped the bus broke down, to which this artist replied, I hope your plane crashes. Who was this individual whose lengthy career included 11 number one country music uh, album number ones? All right. Question number two in the category of video game first. The 2008 release of the game Burnout Paradise represented a unique change in the video game industry when it featured what type of content? A first for a video game. 17 other games released that year would also feature similar content. What was it? Question number three in the category of Old Blue Eyes. On May 14th, 1998, Frank Sinatra was rushed to the hospital with complications from heart attack and would pass away shortly after reaching the hospital. Despite being an icon of the entertainment industry, news of his passing were slow to reach a wide audience as millions of Americans were focused on what other event occurring on the same night. Question number four in the category of old-timey baseball. The 1926 World Series between the New York Yankees and St. Louis Cardinals featured multiple first-ballot Hall of Famers and all-time greats playing in a classic seven-game series. The series is perhaps best known, however, for how the final out was recorded. The only World Series to end in this manner, which player was the final out of the series, and how was it recorded? And finally, category number five in Current Events... Democratic California Congressman Robert Garcia made history as the first LGBTQ immigrant member of Congress in January. He made further headlines when he was sworn in on what rare item borrowed from the Library of Congress that he described as symbolic of the values he hoped to emulate in Congress.
5: All right, we have our questions. We'll be right back after these messages and see who takes the cake today.
6: That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you
0: get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. It's Jean Chatsky, host of the Her Money podcast. For seven years, my show has been changing the relationships women have with money. Because make no mistake, when it comes to money, women are different. We face challenges that men don't. Longer lifespans, caregiving, a gender pay gap that just won't quit. Oh, and the fact that the financial industry was built by men for men. We need information specifically for us presented without jargon in a judgment-free zone. And that's what the Her Money podcast is all about. Every week, we talk about earning more, spending smart, investing to build the life you want, and protecting yourself from disaster. Subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Because when you own your money... You own your life.
5: And we are back with our answers. Uh, We'll see how it goes. I think it's a little bit hit and miss, but uh, yeah, let's go for it.
6: All right. On question one, we were looking for the person who gave up their seat on the plane the day the music died. And unfortunately, their last words were, I hope your plane crashes who was this country music legend. Uh, that's got to feel good.
5: Um, yeah, we bet 30 points on this one. We had trouble coming up with it, and we said what?
6: Um, I
4: just said Medlin. I don't know if that's the Bears equipment manager, but <laughs> it sounded familiar to me, so I said Medlin.
1: Uh, we wagered 10 points and kicked around a bunch of different country Georges. Uh, George Strait was one I was thinking about for a long time, but I think it might actually be George Jones, so we locked in with George Jones.
6: Uh, Two good guesses. Unfortunately, both are incorrect. I heard the right answer, but it was not gone with. Uh, The correct answer was Waylon Jennings. All right. Question number two is in video games, and it was asking what content was first included on the 2008 game uh, Burnout Paradise, which was a major change for the video game industry.
5: Uh, For another 30 points, I think we're
1: saying DLC. I thought it was Deba's left eye in Chile. We wagered 30 points. Uh, Craig, what did we say?
7: We also agree and said downloadable content. Again, unfortunately, both teams are incorrect.
6: DLC was a good answer. I looked it up as uh, it was going on. It looks like the first DLC it was actually way back in 1997. Um, the keys here were 2008 and a major change this was the first time that a candidate bought political ads in a video game. Oh. There were Obama 08 video game ads in wow. burnout paradise. Apparently the head of EA studios was a big Obama supporter. And so 17 other games would later feature billboards. Uh, unsurprisingly, John McCain opted not to de- to advertise in video games. Uh, Question number three was on uh, old blue eyes, and I want to know what else was occurring the night that Frank Sinatra died that overshadowed uh, his death in the news.
4: Yep. Uh, this one, uh, for someone who's a fan of uh, both things, it was, a, it was a good night, but it was a hard night, so it, it was kind of evened out. Um, we said the series finale of uh, Seinfeld for 30 points. Yeah. Um...
1: That makes sense. Uh, we wagered 10 points, and we could not figure out what would have been happening that night. Uh, we thought this might have been when Phantom Menace came out, so that's what we said.
6: Yes, I couldn't make it an entire game without asking at least one hidden Seinfeld question. This was the series finale of Seinfeld, and in fact, the so many people were watching the series that the that, uh, according to the ambulance, they made it to the hospital in record time because there was nobody on the road at the time. did not help, but... And ultimately, yeah, it was the series finale Seinfeld. 80 million people were watching that night. Uh, Question number four was in the category of old-timey baseball, and I wanted to know in what unusual and never-done before uh, way was the final out recorded in the 1926 World Series.
5: We wisely wagered zero points on this one, and uh, we said that this player was picked off, and that was uh, Muddy Shoes' Frankie Frankel. (laughs)
1: oh legend he batted 217 that season we wagered 15 points uh and we went with caught stealing and we believe that this was uh mr babert ruth but
6: um, muddy shoes was infamously picked off in the 1925 world series the 1926 world series however was the unlikely event that Babe Ruth was caught stealing second base in the, the World Series. So good job, Matt, on that one. Is, is
5: picked um, off the same as caught stealing?
6: If you had said different. Babe Ruth, yeah, they're slightly anyways, different.
4: Why, why, if you're a coach and you have Babe Ruth on your team, why are you telling him to steal? Just let him hit home
6: <laughs> runs and not run. Like, what are you doing? He had
1: a yes, cigar in is. his mouth at the time and a whiskey in his other hand. It was amazing.
6: And the final question in the category of current events, I wanted to know what Democratic California Congressman Robert Garcia uh, was sworn in on this year when he took his seat in Congress.
4: Yeah, we wagered uh, 30 points on this one. Uh, I didn't realize until recently that you could swear in on whatever you wanted. So for our crop drop, we'll have to talk about what we would uh, swear each other in uh, with. But um, we said it was uh, Superman's first appearance. I, I believe it's Action Comics, number one. But just for sake of uh, you know Jeopardy rules whatever,
7: we're going to say uh, Superman comic.
1: Uh, we wagered 20 and Craig, what did we end up saying?
7: We had a very similar thought process as well. We were thinking about something that like would make a statement if you swore in on it. Um, and we also like leans towards comic books and, um, we locked in with, uh, action comics number one, but, um, yeah, if we would have thought about it, we might've gone a little bit more vague. Um, <laughs>
6: And I'm fine either way. not going to be picky on this one. The the correct answer is Superman's first appearance. It was uh, borrowed from the Library of Congress. They very carefully brought it out with many security guards and then quickly took it away after it was over. Garcia said that Superman, as a fellow immigrant, represented the values of truth, justice, and the American way that he hoped to embody. So, you know, a little bit of positive politics, which is a rarity in this time and age. So congratulations, both teams, on getting that one correct.
3: All right, so... The final round uh, was the decider here. Um, Scores didn't change a heck of a lot. In fact, the leader of this game stayed uh, dead even with 135 points. Talk gritty to me, you are today's cream of the crop with 135 points, just narrowly edging out the team of Talk Nerdy with 112. Feels good to be cream of the crop.
2: The cream of the crop.
4: Finally, yeah, it does. We've been expired for so long
5: and we got some fresh
1: cream. Yeah, we let you get one. That's okay.
5: Thanks, guys. (laughs) But you guys played admirably. I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves.
7: Oh, absolutely.
4: And Craig, uh, we really appreciate you joining us uh, here today and and hanging out. We loved that uh, you enjoyed the message that we sent for you for being a patron. But uh, any final shout-outs, anyone you'd like to say hello to before we let you go?
7: Um, I just want to go ahead and shout-out my amazing and lovely partner who... um, is, has always been by my side, Lauren. I love you. You're the best. And I also want to go and shout out my D and D group who will hopefully listen to this. That um, I always enjoy our hangouts. And I um, yeah. I just hope you had a good fun, a good fun, and like what you heard.
5: So. Man, what a lucky man! He's got a loving partner and a consistent D and D group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
5: the whole package, right there.
1: A man can dream. And,
5: he's, and have and a band too. <laughs> <laughs>
4: and he's got strong legs, as we as we've learned too. Yep uh matt thank you so much for joining us again we always love having you on the show great questions as always um we knew there'd be some seinfeld in there and we didn't realize it'd be until the end but we're glad that we we figured out that clue but uh any shout outs from you or anything else you'd like to say
6: uh just thanks for having me i was glad you were able to find the hidden seinfeld question i think it ended up being really the deciding factor in the game so uh, there had to be one in there um always enjoy being on always enjoy listening so just happy to be here and look forward to hopefully being back again in the future
4: all right well thank you so much to both of our guests uh and as we've said before we are proud to be on the airwave media network which you can uh find at airwavemedia.com or uh, on all of your your favorite podcast apps um there you can check out some great shows like the age of napoleon the art of crime or bro history um so for uh ken jeff matt matt coleman craig my name was neil and that was triviality